What's going on, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. I'm your host, Adam Martin, more commonly known as the No Breakfast Guy, and I hope you're doing what you love with the people that you love, and let's just jump straight into it. I know my audience is no stranger to our guest today. Um, We've been watching his incredible macro-friendly recipes and incredible donuts, pancakes, brownies, burgers, and everything that's coming across his page. But um, Zach, I'm incredibly... uh, Honoured and happy to be chatting to you today, Matt. And so uh, I look forward to hearing more about the story and what came about with the uh, page and what's in store for the future. But uh, Zach, welcome to the show and thanks for your time. Oh, mate, thank you so much. It's actually a pleasure to be here. I absolutely love coming on things like this because, you know, one, one, I like talking to people and two, I love being able to share my story in case it like helps anyone, anyone at all that listens to it. Like I'm all for helping people. So if my story helps anyone at all, then I'm always happy to push it out there. Now that's awesome, mate. Well, um, I guess you know when I see it from a surface level from your page, you know, you, you just see the, as I said, the donuts, the cakes, and different things like that. I'm just a sweet tooth fan, and I mean, a, <laughs> a burger fan as well. As um, and I see that's how I kind of came across your page. But then, uh, when I when I see things that I really like, I like to dive a little bit deeper and kind of where it's come from, and it's kind of why I reached out to you in the first place because in kind of seeing your story in the back pages that you shared um, in you know, your highlights and things like that. Um, I thought it would be something great to talk about, but um, I guess to kind of give the audience a bit more of a, an understanding of who you are and I guess who we're listening to just, yeah, give us, I guess the origin story of who, who Zach is, who he was growing up and kind of guess where it came to, you know, creating this Instagram page that you've got that, um, as I said, just has some phenomenal ingredients on there. Thanks, mate. Um, to be honest, like growing up, I was just a, you uh, probably slightly below average kid, if I'm truly honest, but um, I try and avoid diving too much into that one. It doesn't really have much to do with what I do nowadays because I was just a completely different person back then. But um, nowadays, uh, sort of the origin story is to how my page came about now. I moved, to the, I moved to England in 2016 and spent two years over there. And I basically just lived my best fat life over there. I lived off like packet lasagna and beer and whiskey and just anything that was quote unquote bad for you. I smashed it into me. I didn't care at all. I uh, moved back home in 2018. By home, I mean Australia. Uh, in 2018, I carried on that life for a solid three months after that. Um, and then I not started noticing some blurry patches in the top right-hand corner of my left eye. I uh, went to the optometrist and he rushed me off to a specialist straight away. They did some scans and they noticed that a nerve was expanding in, on the back of my eye and touching my eyeball. So what was happening and what they told me that it was, was uh, idiopathic intracranial hypertension, um, which basically means, you know, you're losing vision in this eye and we don't really know why, which is a great, great diagnosis. <laughs> it's just what I wanted to hear. Um, so what they, what they said was actually happening was because I'd gained weight rapidly. Now I only gained about 20 kilos, which in the grand scheme of things is a fair amount to be honest. But at the time, like I didn't really notice it because I thought it happened quite gradually, but they said, you know, because you gain the weight quite rapidly, um, your body thought it was getting taller and not wider. So it started producing more cerebral spinal fluid than your body actually needed. So because there was too much of it, it was creating blockages. And one of the blockages was in a nerve behind my eye that was expanding, touching my eyeball. Pretty, um, pretty disastrous stuff, to be honest. It's probably, I, I know people start their like fitness journeys uh, in different ways. Like some people start with breakups. Some people start with, I don't know, getting bullied at school and being the little kid. But uh, mine, was, mine was definitely medical. They told me that I needed to lose weight and get a spinal tap so i got my spinal tap which was terrifying I was I say Jesus. Any, yeah i don't know if anyone's ever had a spinal tap but they suck um 
it was really weird because the doctor told me, you know, you might feel a, like a slight pinch because they push a needle right into your right into your um, spinal cord. Uh, and I wasn't like, I knew what it was and it petrified me, like really, really scared me. But laid down, they pushed the local anesthetic in and he said, now you might feel a slight pinch and you might like have a reaction in your legs from where we hit the nerve. <laughs> and, I, and I actually almost kicked the doctor because, because when he touched the nerve, my spinal cord, the nerve in my back, um, my leg flinched. So that was cool. Push a local anesthetic in. And, and uh, I don't know if you know much about spinal taps, but they can't actually draw the CSF out with a syringe or anything. You kind of just have to lie there with the needle hanging out your back and it drips out slowly. Yeah, right. Um, in case they bring out too much. So yeah, I had to lie there for a solid 10, 12 minutes with just a needle hanging out my back and CSF dripping into a little cup. Um, thank God I wasn't watching it. I was yeah. lying there with my eyes closed, sweating and, and panicking. Um, but after that, I, you know, I got home and I was like, all right, what am I going to do to lose weight? So, you know, first thing that people do when they get told they need to lose weight is they Google how to lose weight. And the first thing that come up, it was a massive trend at the times for, for a lot of people. It still is. Uh, it was the ketogenic diet. So I didn't really know what I had, what, what was going on when I was going into it. All I read was drop carbs and I went, oh, that's pretty easy. I can, I can just stop eating carbs. And that's what I did. I lost 18 kilos in 10 weeks jesus um which I, I don't promote that or condone it like don't do that it's, it's really not good for you um <laughs> unless of course a doctor has prescribed it to you for a certain reason like i know the ketogenic diet was originally designed for people with epilepsy um, and they've actually shown uh, in recent studies i can't remember the name of the studies or the numbers of the studies but that it helps with uh, cancer patients as well funnily enough um, which I had no idea about before, like yesterday, which was cool. But uh, yeah, unless you are prescribed the ketogenic diet for a certain reason, I'd never advise it. But that's just what I did at the time. It's what I had read was the best thing to do. So I started doing that. Um, I was having like an omelet in the morning, steak and veggies for lunch and steak and veggies for dinner or salmon and veggies for dinner. Nothing too crazy. Yeah, lost the 18 kilos, um, got down to, I was 90 at the time, got down to 72 or 71.5, so 18 and a half kilos. And um, stayed at that for, let's see, probably got to that in about July. I stayed that for about five months and I was relatively lean as well. So I was probably about 10% body fat at the time. Uh, and I stayed at that for a solid five months. And then after that, uh, it was the day after Boxing Day, so the 27th of December, uh, I actually had a car accident because my calories were too low. I didn't realize at the time because I didn't know what calories were. I never counted them. I just dropped all carbs and thought that was like the magic way to lose weight. At the time, the doctor estimated that I was probably only consuming about 1,200 to 1,300 calories a day. My body wasn't getting enough energy, like anywhere near enough energy. Uh, my body just needed rest, even though... I didn't want to give it any. I was living off caffeine and the three small meals a day. Um, yeah, had that car accident because I hadn't eaten enough and didn't have enough energy to stay awake behind the wheel. Fell asleep, ran out the back of another car. That was about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a work day. I was in the work car. Um, and that's where it all changed from there. So I recovered. I didn't like, I didn't have any serious injuries or anything like that, but I recovered and sort of did a bit more research into counting calories and there was a few Instagram accounts at the time that I really took notice of who were eating like bowls of oats with chocolate on top and stuff like that, which to me was very foreign because that's like carbs on carbs. So 
to see these guys who are relatively lean and very athletic and pushing a lot of weight in the gym to be eating like copious amounts of carbs. I thought it was just weird. I thought, you know, those guys are just very lucky to be able to eat that stuff. I can't do that. But yeah, did a little bit more research into it myself and then started following the same footsteps. So I started, my account started by putting chocolate on oats. It started as a bulk um, and to keep me accountable because I suffered very, very badly with body dysmorphia. Um, if I gained a kilo, I'd be pretty worried and I'd want to lose it again. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was one of those guys. I know a lot of people do the same thing. Um, but yeah, I kept it. I had my Instagram for a couple of main reasons. One, to keep myself accountable on my bulk so I can actually push the weight and get it done uh, and quote unquote recover. Um, as well as that, it was to reach out to like-minded people. And I didn't realize how many people were in a similar spot to what I was as far as being either like really small and pretty scared of losing, of gaining weight, sorry, or um, whether they just needed the accountability as well to be able to gain the weight. Cause it's quite like, it's quite easy to stay small, but to want to put the work in to grow and actually get bigger um, is pet was petrifying at first, but nowadays it's obviously in the back of my mind. Um, but that's where it all started, mate. Um, the trip to the UK, sorry to kind of just, um, you know, cycle back to kind of, I guess, how that all began. Um, it, it relates really highly to myself in that once I finished uni, I was just like, okay, I'm not going straight into the workforce. I need to get out of here and just enjoy life a little bit. And so a mate of mine and myself, we just went and traveled um, Europe uh, in its entirety um, for close to eight months, nine months. And same thing, beer pizza and pasta is what we lived off for <laughs> um you know close to eight months and i'm a small guy i'm about five foot eight yeah I'm the same. um and so you know i i was always quite the athletic guy and i could really get away with eating what i wanted because i was just so active um as a kid um but then going to europe yes there was some backpacking but mostly we were sitting in bars drinking beers all day and then you know recovering from our hangovers with <laughs> eating pizza and pasta <laughs> all day and so i came back from that trip um i never create i uh, never creeped over 80 kilos but i got to 79 kilos and for myself i've lived at kind of the mid 60s for most of my life you know i put on you know close to 15 kilos and i got back and didn't really notice it like you said it was it happened relatively quickly you know in about an 8 month period but i got back and kind of like geez, I just feel a bit sluggish. Same thing you know, when you said, you know, what do you do? I, I, even though I did an exercise physiology degree and, you know, this is where my career was heading into the future, two, my, two things came to mind. I was like, well, I can't be the fat personal trainer, so I better kind of get in shape. That was the first thing that I thought. And number two is like, I don't actually know how to lose weight. Like we'd learned about, you know, exercise and food and all these different things, but the actual science behind weight loss, we were never taught that in university. And so it's kind of where it started my- I find that very strange. And that's kind of where I kind of came to that realization. It it blew me away as well in that I've just done, you know, at the time it was called exercise science and there's different names for it now, but, and then went on to do an exercise physiology masters. The exercise physiology was never going to teach us about that, but the understanding through, you know, exercise science- it was more about just the science of exercise and the science of sports and performance. It was never really around the nutrition side. And to me, it was always like nutritionists and dietitians were where you would go to help with um, weight loss. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of had that kind of light bulb moment myself and like, 
how do I not know how to lose weight here? And this is something I think I really need to understand if I'm going to move into the personal training kind of world. And so, um, yeah, I guess went um, on that same kind of train and the same thing, you know, this was probably early 2000s, like 2006, 2007. Um, and the things that were going around at the time were the, you know, the kind of carb fear. And so I was okay, cool, I'll get rid of some carbs as well. And so very similar. It just sounded so when you were saying that, it was like, oh, my God, I'm like living in a mirror world here of kind of um, what's going on. And so it's just even, you know, what are we now, 2021, the fear around carbs is still very much prevalent. Oh, there it's, in the it's huge. And pushing the idea of keto is the only way to lose weight, and the you know, the insulin model of um, diabetes, you know, I'm sorry, weight loss, and things like this that just continue to creep in um, on that. But I guess pushing from there, um, when you came, you know, you came back and you, you come back to Australia, what was the, I guess, the mental mindset that you were kind of coming into? I mean, obviously there was a medical condition that was you know um, precipitating that, but. Were you someone that was looking at yourself before that, you know, vision started, um, I guess, blurring? Were you someone saying, I should lose some weight here, I'm feeling a bit sluggish? Or was it only the medical um, issue that kind of came about that made that big change for you? Oh, I was, I like, I knew I should probably lose a bit of weight. Like, I looked at myself in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I'm not overly happy, but, you know, I'm not, like, mad about it. And my mates at the time, like, the people I hung around with, they weren't really vain in the, in that sort of sense at all. So, you know, it didn't really worry me too much. I was a little bit self-conscious at the time, like didn't really want to have my shirt off in many places. But at the same time, I was like still living my best life. You know, I was still having some beers with the boys and eating whatever was in front of me. It didn't really worry me too much. But it was mainly the medical stuff that's really kicked my ass into gear, so to speak. And do you think that's why then you went the, I guess, I mean, even going down the keto route, you you probably had to have gone if you were eating, as I said, 1,200 calories. I presume you're a, an active young guy as well. So 1,200 calories would have been an extremely low um, calorie. Like, were you aware at all about calories or anything like that? It was just get rid of carbs and do it really you know, aggressively. It was get rid of carbs and do it aggressively. Um, and to put it into sort of perspective of how much of a deficit I was in, um, when I transitioned out of it and tried to get into a bulk, my bulking calories were just over 4,000. Jesus. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was eating around, you know, that 12 to 1300 mark. Um, I was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu six to seven times a week. Cause my dad's, my dad was my coach. So we'd just train like every day I was hitting the gym six times a week and my job was fairly, both of my jobs were fairly active. I was in, I was a retail assistant and I was a bartender. So I was averaging 25 to 30,000 steps every single day Jesus. doing the jiu-jitsu <laughs> and hitting the gym. That's a, that's a massive death and very similar. I, I came back in October, you know, jumped on the scales. I was 79 uh, kilos. I was like, okay, cool. I want to go and get a job now and, you know, start in the new year was kind of my mindset. So I was like, I got to get in shape. And so it was like two months um, for me and I lost 17 kilos. I got down to like 62, 63 kilos um, at my leanest. And the same thing, it was super aggressive. I was very active. I, you know, started running again. I was in the gym four or five times a week. And so I was probably, I mean, I don't think I was anywhere near 4,000, but I was probably close to 3,000 when I was kind of trying to gain some weight again back after that. And so I was probably close to the same thing in that, you know, probably on 1500 calories a day. And so half of the calories I probably really required. And so um, scary to hear that you went through, um, you know, falling asleep at the wheel. And luckily it wasn't a serious accident, but probably, I guess, irony woke you up and kind of realized shit i i shouldn't be falling asleep at the wheel at three o'clock in the afternoon 
Yeah, it was a bit sketchy. It really was uh, a turnaround at a point as well. Like that happened. And at the time I had a girlfriend who lived in England still. So she was quite worried about me. She also saw how rapid my weight loss was and she was quite concerned. She thought I had an eating disorder, um, I, which it's not, by the way. I think a lot of people get this a little bit confused, like what an eating disorder is and what disordered eating is. Um, because I, I know a lot of people say like counting calories is an eating disorder, but it's really not. It is a version of disordered eating because anything but intuitive eating is technically disordered eating because it's not quote unquote normal or natural, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely not an eating disorder. It can lead to eating disorders most definitely. And I've seen it happen numerous times to a lot of people, Um, but it's not an eating disorder. Just wanted to clear that up for people that do get that slightly confused. It's a really good point that you bring up and, you know, I hear it all the time when, you know, I, I very much promote it with my clients that, um, and I always use the analogy that's just like your finances, you know, if you're massively in debt and you need to get out of debt with your finances, you go to a financial planner, they say, look, we need to start tracking how much you're spending and how much is going uh, into the bank account so we can start making that debt less. And, you know, no one would ever say that's, you know, an, a financial disorder, you know, kind of to use that's a kind up. of analogy. Um, I've actually not heard that. That's that's really good. And yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the analogy that really clicks with people because most people understand finances when you say, what's your bank account? Oh, I'm in the positive. Cool. Then you clearly must spend less than you earn and obviously the vice versa that. But when you start putting it into the perspective of food, people do have that freak out because there are so many, I guess, um, misinformation and kind of fear around um, the thought that, you know, if I start tracking, that's just going to instantly put me into an eating disorder or make me so much more likely to it. And I think, you know, when coming from a positive point of view and that, no, let's learn just like learning your finances, let's learn what your um, inputs are and what your outputs are. And let's start making that count towards, you know, you having a more healthy relationship with not only yourself, but the foods that you eat. And so you talked about body dysmorphia yourself. Like, was that because of this rapid weight loss? Was it something that happened after, before, like, when did you kind of start having those kind of, um, I guess, relationships with the food you're eating and I guess the body you were in? That was definitely after the weight loss. So after the weight loss, I got down to my my smaller size, um, which while I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like I was quite happy at that size. I was nimble. I was quick. I was flexible. I could get around. Um, so it was really, really good and beneficial. But the key part of it was like the moment I saw my abs, I didn't want to lose them ever, like ever. And I, and I clung clung yep clung onto that for <laughs> as long as humanly possible which you're obviously not supposed to do it's not incredibly he- healthy or beneficial for you to do that um depending obviously this is very much so depends on genetics because it depends where your fat is stored genetically um mine doesn't store too much on my stomach so for me i can get away with it a little bit uh, it's predominantly my lower back that holds a lot um, which doesn't really worry me too much because no one cares what your back looks like. They only <laughs> want to see your abs and your shoulders. Um, but yeah, it definitely kicked in then when I saw, when I first saw abs and I didn't want to lose them. Uh, so even when I jumped into a bulk, um, which I like kind of reverse dieted into um, because I'd read a lot about that at the time. That was one of the things that I researched a lot of just to make sure I didn't blow out, so to speak. Uh, and I really wanted to do it as structured as possible in order to not lose my abs. But even I went from 72 or 71.5 to 70 uh, to 80 and I could still see my abs. So they were still there. I could still see them. But at the time I thought I'd gotten fat. So I was like, oh, it's time to cut again. So I dropped uh, six and a half kilos, um, which like it obviously wasn't enough time to, to actually bulk properly. 
And I'll never forget this because some guy uh, DM'd me on Instagram when I said I was about to do my next cut because uh, I'd only been bulking for maybe six months, mm-hmm. if that. He DM'd me and he was like, mate, I, in my honest opinion, I don't think you should cut yet. Uh, leave it for another year, bulk up for a whole year and then cut. And I was like, no, nah, it's all right, man. Like I've hit my goal weight. It's fine. I'll drop down. Uh, but I wish I, I wish I listened to that. I most definitely wish I listened to that because when I dropped that weight down um, is when I really kicked in my binge eating again. Uh, Cause I, I suffered with binge eating in the past when I was like 14, 15. Um, but at, at the time, like I didn't really think too much of it. It was just a lot of binge eating. It is what mm-hmm. it is. A lot of people eat a lot. Um, but yeah, this second round of binge eating that I incurred when I was after my like initial cutting phase or second cutting phase uh, was probably some of the worst that I've had. Um, but actually by some of the worst, I mean, it was literally the worst I've had it with binge eating. Like I would sit down and eat an entire jar of Biscoff spread and then follow that up with a six pack of donuts. And I wouldn't stop there. I'd just go all out a couple of burgers here and there. Like I was doing eating challenges, didn't really care too much. It was just eating literally everything that was in my side. Nothing could stop me. I would eat someone else's hands if they tried to take food out of my hands. <laughs> and would that last for the day or was it normally like the weekend or the week? Like how did those kind of episodes play out for you? Uh, initially it was sort of, you know, a day. So it'd be like a, and th- this is why I hate the term cheat day or cheat meal um, because this is what it leads to. Like I would have a cheat meal uh, and my goal of my cheat meal was to make myself so stuffed that I couldn't eat anymore. And then the cheat day was to stuff myself to the absolute brim with everything and absolutely anything. Um, just so I wouldn't feel like that for the next week or, or just so I like to the point where I couldn't eat at all. Um, and then it spiraled way out of control and I was doing it daily. And I mean, when you were going through that cut, then did you, and then that second cut, when you got to kind of 80 kilos, okay, cool time now to go into cut. Did you actually get to a lower weight before that, um, you know, I guess that kind of eat, eating style kind of came in or were you like depriving yourself so much during the cut that you then had bouts of it during, throughout that cut? So the annoying thing is um, when I did that cut, I had fully adventured with uh, counting calories and being more flexible with my diet, but I don't, I don't know. I think this is very, very common. Like, and this is why I tell people, a lot of people there's a difference between if it fits your macros and flexible dieting, because that if it fits your macros phase where you just figure out you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want, as long as it fits your calories is usually the time you're eating nothing but pop tarts and peanut butter, <laughs> um, which is not good for you. Please don't do that. Um, but that's when it was. So my, I was on, I was still in a very harsh deficit because I only needed to eat around 3,100 to lose weight. But for some reason, I dropped myself way down to 2,400. So I was in quite a heavy deficit, but I'd eat like this porridge with chocolate on top and it would like be 1,200 calories and that would be my breakfast. So I was taking up half my daily intake with just my breakfast, um, which obviously wasn't too bright of a move to be doing. Um, and that's really where it came from. Cause I could get to dinner time and I'd be starving, but I wouldn't have much of a meal because I only had like 300 calories left to play with. So it wouldn't really be much to sort of hit my satiety levels decently enough. So I'd wake up the next morning and do exactly the same thing. Cause I'd still be hungry. Cause I'd be going to bed hungry. And um, sorry to interrupt. No, you're right. You go. I was going to say like at that point, like where was the Instagram page at this point? Like you said that you had started it 
you know, to be accountable and kind of stay on track and obviously to reach out to other people who might be feeling the same. And like, were you now six months in, two months in, a year in? Like, where was the, I guess, the page that it is now? Was it still called the same as it is now? Or is it, was, did it start off at a different name? And kind of, yeah, where was that kind of evolving at the time? No, we've always been the same name. It's always been Counting Zachros. I've, yep. I've been a sucker for a dad joke my entire life. And when I discovered macros, I was like, huh, Zach Rose, funny. <laughs> um, so that's where that came from, by the way, for anyone who's wondering. Um, yeah, so that was about probably six months into the page, I'd say, um, where I was sort of peak, you know, porridge with chocolate and ice cream and all sorts of other crap on top. Um, so yeah, about six, seven months in. So the peak of that cut was around September. September 2019 and then I moved to Melbourne because I lived in a rural town in New South Wales so then I moved to Melbourne in on October 5th 2019. Mate um probably not the best timing to be moving into, into Melbourne, what, mate, I I guess, had, where the world's had, gone to in, in the meantime. I had, six, I had six months worth of living and then I had about a year's worth of lockdown and it's still going now so yeah it's crazy I mean, I'll talk to you a little bit more about that in a second. And I moved out of Melbourne um, at the end of 2020. So um, obviously we had the year um, there in lockdown um, as it was. And then I've now moved to Perth here and um, my, my business had to be shut down and things like that because of all the lockdowns. And so I moved my business online and that's where I am um, now, but living in Perth and, you know, I count my lucky stars to be over here, but you know, I miss Melbourne terribly. I mean, it's, I love Perth and I love the weather and I love the surf and, you know, all the things that come with that, but um, nothing even compares to being in Melbourne. And I know it's in a pretty dire state at the moment and um, I, you know, I look forward to it uh, coming out of that, but nothing beats Melbourne. And so I look forward to uh, getting back there. And so hopefully we can uh, maybe hit up a workout or something when we're back in there, uh, when I'm back in town and borders are open again. Oh, mate, I'd be more than happy to do that. Melbourne is without a doubt um, probably oh, the second best city I've ever lived in um and number it, and one being london 100 but interesting the, actually the reason i moved to melbourne is because it was the closest thing i could get to moving back to london interesting uh, choice Mel yeah okay. melbourne melbourne is basically australia's london it's quite bizarre um mainly for like how multicultural it is and sort of the, the hospitality atmosphere but mm -hmm. it's a different type of hospitality venue that you'd usually go to. Cause in London, if you're going to meet up with a friend, you go to the pub in Melbourne. If you're going to meet up with a friend, you go to a cafe. Yep. Um, so similar, but different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very good point. Uh, Melbourne is without a doubt, probably Australia's most beautiful city. I've been, I've not been to Perth. I've not been, not been to Adelaide, um, but I've been to Brisbane, Sydney, Canberra. Canberra is not even in the, not even in the same sentence, to be honest. Yeah. And Melbourne, um, when Melbourne's open, it's it's my favourite Australian city. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. So um, you you moved to Melbourne then, you said September, was it? Yep, September 2019. Yep. Um, oh, so sorry, October 2019, close enough. Was that to, you know, did you have a job lined up or was it just, I'm just moving down here because I want to be something like London? Like what was the kind of idea of moving to Melbourne at that point? It was the second one. It was literally just that. Um, I was bored in this. Uh, the town I'm from has about 10,000 people. Um, transitioning from living in London to going to a town of 10,000 people is extremely difficult. I absolutely hated it. So I, was, I stayed there for a year and a half uh, and then went, you know, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty sick of this. And then just packed up and moved to, moved to Melbourne. It was 
great. It's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made, to be honest. And so how did that then play out for not only you personally, uh, but also the page? Like, obviously, you know, you got a huge following. Now, was it growing as you were kind of doing your posting of porridge with chocolate on top and things like that? Or like, was there a moment where it really started to take off and you're kind of like, hmm, actually, hang on, me doing this is what really is get, you know, getting some big engagement. I'm getting some really good feedback. Like, where did that kind of journey begin and kind of how is it to where you are today? So when I first moved to Melbourne, I had about 1,700 followers. Um, and at that point and at this point right now, uh, the number of followers I have doesn't bother me at all. It's the uh, quality of followers that I have. Um, I love when people reach out to me, message me, doesn't matter what it is, like engaging with people is something that I've really been passionate about. So whether I have 1,700 people or 60,000 people, um, it's more like the quality of it that I appreciate as opposed to like the quantity. Uh, don't get me wrong, it's cool, it has benefits, but it's, I much prefer the quality of it. Um, but at the time when I moved to Melbourne, I had about 1,700 I hit 2000 in like the November and then it was a slow dribble to 2700. Um, and I was at 2700 in May of 2020. And then um, lockdown, lockdown kicked in in the March. I continued on with like porridge and pancakes and waffles up until about the May. And then I started getting really bored because I had no job. I was doing nothing. So I started doing recipes. Um, and then that seemed pretty popular. So I just kept experimenting, kept experimenting, kept doing, keep doing recipes, kept doing recipes. And then in November, 2020, I hit 10K. And then we fast forward to what are we, September, nearly October, 2021. Um, and I've shot up 50,000 after that. Yeah. Wow. Um, the recipes themselves, like, have you always been someone who's enjoyed baking or cooking, or is it just something that, as you said, you were just bored and it's like, I like eating food. So I'll just show people what I'm eating and how I made it kind of thing. Like where did that kind of idea to come? When I was sort of younger about, uh, what was I maybe 12, 13, 14. Um, I used to cook like a lot of packet mix stuff. So your packet mix brownies and cakes and cupcakes and stuff like that. Um, if mum would buy anything, I'd, I'd bake it up myself because she always had bright plans to cook it herself, but I usually got there first. Um, <laughs> which I always, I really enjoyed that sort of stuff. And, um, due to some uh, family circumstances at the time, I cooked a lot of dinners for my siblings because I'm one of seven. So I cook, yeah, there's a few of us. Um, so I cooked dinner for the younger siblings here and there as well. So I've always, I always have enjoyed cooking. And I think that's really why I prefer doing like pancakes and waffles over like porridge because porridge, you can just slap in the microwave and it's sort of done. Um, but it was a fun food to eat with all the chocolate and stuff on top because porridge, let's face it, is boring as without sort of sweet stuff included with it. And pancakes, you have to actually have to cook and um, waffles, you have to actually cook as well. And skillet cookies or pizzukis, pizza cookies, was something I played with as well because I got to cook it and it was fun. Um, but yeah, cooking has always been something I've been interested in, but never something I took too seriously. Um, until I was told to take it more seriously with my page. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, I mean, can you remember the the first recipe that you did that, you know, really got the big reaction and it had, you know, X, you know, 10X the amount of kind of engagement or kind of people seeing it and things like that? Can you remember what that first one was? Protein cheesecake. Protein cheesecake. And what flavor yeah. was it? 
Uh, it was, I think I did an Oreo base or a Biscoff base. Um, I did one of each actually. I did, originally I did a Biscoff base and the cheesecake filling and posted that, but I didn't include the recipe or anything. I just posted it. And then um, I had a bunch of people message me and ask me for the recipe. So I posted one with an Oreo base, posted that. And that was really what took it off. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you talk about Biscoff and I'm glad to see Biscoff um, take off as it is. And I know these are claims that people always say, I was the first person to do this and I'm not making that claim. <laughs> I want to make that very, very clear before I kind of go into what I'm about to say next. I think but- I know what you're about to say though. <laughs> I, in 2000 and what was it? 2017 um, is where my wife and I um, and my then one-year-old daughter, um, we took off and I've told this story before and why um, we took off a year um, to travel the South of France. Um, I was in a pretty bad mental space and my business was taking over my life and I just needed to kind of get away from it all. And so I went over to France and Biscoff itself um, in Europe was you know, it was everywhere. It was never in Australia. And I remember having Biscoff for the first time in France and, you know, seeing it and it just looked like what I now call to my daughter, special peanut butter. Um, <laughs> and I was like, that's a really interesting looking thing. I wonder what that is. And it just, you know, it had a biscuit on the page and I was like, oh, I'll buy that. Cause I just never seen it before. I remember having it in France saying, oh my God, I have just tasted what heaven must taste like kind of thing. Like yep. it was just that moment of just, oh my God. And I bought a jar back with me from France. So I just never remember ever seeing it um, in Australia. And I'm again, I'm not making the claim, but I'm pretty sure I was the first person ever in Australia to kind of have a jar of it here because I brought it back from um, um, uh, France with me. And I remember people when I posted pictures of it going, what is that? Because most of my audience is from Australia and they're like, what is that? Where do you get that? And I'm like, I've never seen it. I have no idea where you get it from. It's just from France. And I'm hoping someday it comes to Australia. And I remember when it first was in Coles and then I was just like, people, I found it. Go to Coles, <laughs> rain the shelves. <laughs> um, and it's just so good to see it's, you know, you can get it everywhere. And now people have got desserts with it and different things with it. And I'm just so happy to see um, it here. And I, I'm hoping I'm starting a new craze with someone sent me a, a thing that you can also get in Europe, but you can't get here. And it's an oval teeny spread. Ooh. So I don't know if you ever had oval teenies as a kid or you had multi chocolate thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, so there's a spread of that and I'm claiming it. It is better than Biscoff. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I know Biscoff fans will sit there and go, you got to be mad, but I swear to you, if you can get a ha- your hands on it, there is an Australian company that imports it, but they import it for like $20 a jar. No, it's worth, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's worth having just to kind of say, look, yeah, I've tried it. And I just hope that it does come here. And it's on the shelves of um, Coles at some point um, in the, you know, in the very near future, but I swear to you, it is better than Biscoff and it is incredible. So I'm hoping that, you know, this might be me saying this and I can come back and say, see, back in <laughs> September, I, I was the first person to have that. But yeah, I mean, when did, I mean, I've seen many um, recipes for yourself. Is Biscoff one of those things that you try and recreate as many different recipes that you can with it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I love the stuff. Um, Cause I'm in the same boat as you. I, I'm, Cause I moved to the UK in 2016. I yep. saw it on a, on a Tesco store shelf. And I was like, what the hell is this? This looks all right. Tried it, fell in love instantly. Um, gutted that I never brought any of it back to Australia with me like you did. Otherwise, yeah. I'd be pulling the same claims, mate. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I introduced Biscoff to Australia. Very um, good, very good. Yeah, yeah. I, it's definitely something that I try to do as much as possible with um, just because I love it. Like it doesn't even, the stuff I post 
nowadays heavily depends on what the people want. Um, I, obviously, I have to enjoy it as well because I'm the one that has to eat it. Like I'm not just making it and throwing it in the bin. Yeah. Um, so I have to enjoy it as well. But for the most part, like if something, if I post something and it doesn't go very well, then there's not really a lot of point in exploring that avenue more and posting more of it because you know, if if I, if it looks like people don't like it, then I'm not going to keep putting it out there and try and shoving it down people's throats. Um, but Biscoff's always one of those things that people will just reach out and grab. They love it at all at all given times. Yeah, and I guess that kind of mentality does that um, to kind of make a segue into. I'd love to ask you more about um, your brownie company that's coming. Is that kind of where that idea come from? That a lot of people seem to have good reactions to brownies, and now you think, well, I might start a brownie making. Like, is that where it kind of came from, or where's that all kind of stemmed from? Uh, yes and no. Um, what, like everyone loves brownies, let's be real, but they're so they are usually so calorie dense. Like, but they're so good. <laughs> um, that that came from a couple of places. Um, one, I had a lot of people who would just message me and say, I don't want to make them. Can I just buy them from you? And two, I'm not sure how this happened, but um, a few people just couldn't get the recipe right. Um, and I like, for me, the recipe was really easy and it was very, very straightforward. And I tried to make it as straightforward as possible for a lot of people because I like my recipes to be easily recreated by everyone. Um, otherwise, you know, if I put a recipe out there and it's got far too many ingredients and far too many steps in the method, then people kind of just look at it and go, I mean, it looks good, but it's probably not worth the effort. Whereas I want everyone to be able to try the recipes, no matter what skill their cooking level is at um, or cook. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. No matter what skill level they're at, as far as their cooking is concerned, I want everyone to be able to try that. But for some people, the brownies were just a little bit too much. Um, mm -hmm. So people were reaching out to me saying, can I buy them? Can I buy them? Uh, at, the mo at the time, I had no interest in selling them because at, if I'm truly honest, it was it sounded like a lot of effort. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to put that much effort into you know, brownies of all things. <laughs> um, but there was enough demand for it. And I noticed there was a gap in the market here in Melbourne for protein brownies. So I thought, you know, who can fill that? Macro Brownie Co. And... I guess, does it also come about because of, um, I guess, lockdowns and COVID and things like that? Like, hey, I better find a way to earn some money and things like that. Or did, had you found a job in the meantime? Like, how was kind of that whole mindset kind of coming about? Uh, my job, like when the first lockdown happened, um, my job definitely wanted me to like contact me. They said, look, we're going to stand everyone down. We definitely want you to come back though. So we'll just keep our word for that. And I did. And they, and they did bring me back, which was awesome. Um, but I always trusted them to take me back on at the time as well. I was on the center, the center link, uh, job seeker. So money wasn't really an issue there. It was more, it wasn't really a money-making thing. Um, again, it, it came down a lot to helping people because there's not really a whole lot of money in that kind of thing. Like any, and, and if they if I'm trying to make it about money, then the markup is too big and people aren't going to buy the brownies. So it, it'd be silly to do that. So uh, yeah, it was predominantly just like to help people that can't actually cook them to get some brownies in their door or in their gob for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how far are we away from that all kind of, I mean, I've seen the page and you know, coming soon and I liked um, your last post and you then commented from your Zachro's account going enough with the sob story. <laughs> Let's just uh, get these brownies out. Like how far are we away? Are they about to launch? Like how's that all going in that process? Um we, we were extremely close and, and I mean extremely close, but at the moment there are some terrible, terrible delays with OzPost. 
Yep. Um, and because there's no sugar in the brownies, besides the actual chocolate that I use when I make them, they don't last long. So if there's going to be three week delays in shipping, there's no point in me selling them because the people are going to get them and they're going to be moldy. And mm -hmm. that is obviously the last thing that I want. So we were extremely close. I had the packaging on order and I had the stickers on order. Um, all I needed was just like some greaseproof paper to put in the packaging as well. And we were good to go. But uh, yeah, with the shipping delays that Ozpost are incurring at the moment, it's postponed it a little bit. But I do have, for those that are in Melbourne, I do have two wholesale, well, one wholesaler, but kind of two because it's this one business that have two stores um, who will be stocking them very soon. Did we just get a scoop there or is that, is that yeah, no? Yeah, you massively you go. got a scoop. I love it. I love it. I love a good scoop. So, and I love a good brownie. And um, I'm really, I mean, I'm really keen to get my hands on some, mate. So as soon as I see that page uh, is uh, live, I'm certainly uh, going to put it out there and uh, give my review onto it. My, my page has turned, I mean, my page has gone in different directions all over. It's basically become a family vlog page for me now because um, I can spend and curate the best post I've ever done in my life for, you know, talking about fat loss or fasting or whatever my page, you know, originally started from. And I get some good engagement, but I just post a picture of my daughters and everyone just falls head over heels with them. So <laughs> I, I just figured, you know what, I'm just going to integrate my life into look at me living my life. And if people kind of find value and entertainment from that at the same time, because I'm, I'm routinely talking about food and exercise and how to incorporate it into a family life and a busy life and running a business and all those different kind of things, people kind of feel that relationship with me. And as you said, you know, it's more about building those relationships and having you know, a great following of people who, you know, really find value in what you're doing rather than as you said, yeah, I've got 100,000 followers, but only a hundred people actually click and care about what I do. I'd much rather the uh, alternative of having a much sm smaller audience, but a much more engaged audience. And so um, people really do enjoy my reviews that I give. Um, so I'm very keen to uh, yeah get my hands on your uh, brownies, mate, and uh, give my honest uh, feedback on them because they, they look great and I can't wait to uh, get, a, get a taste of them as well. Just going back to what you touched on there, um, as far as people enjoying like your posts, as far as actually integrating health and fitness into life in, in general, I feel like posts like that, like there are some educational posts that are really good, like informing people of fat loss, informing people of like fasting and shortening eating windows or the role that carbs play in a diet or anything like that is sure. It's really important, but some people sort of just scroll past it. Whereas like if it's something they can relate to, if they're a busy person, if they do a nine to five, if they sit on their butt at a desk all day and they don't really get time to do much movement or they're very busy and they don't get time to like actually prep their meals or anything like that. If they see someone else who's in a similar, I wouldn't say predicament, but situation that they can then relate to and they see how well they sort of tackle their health and fitness journey while incorporating all the other things in their life. I feel like that's something they sort of engage with a little bit more. Cause they're like, you know, oh, this person does the same thing that I do. And I need that. Like I need that kick up the butt to get me in their shoes. Cause I can see they're very positive about it and they're very happy about it. Yeah. I feel like that probably plays in your favor quite well. With yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing, I don't know if it was a podcast or something else I heard um, someone say the other days, um, people don't need another bloody home workout. They need to know how to get past their, life fatigue their motivation levels to actually do the workout rather than have a workout that's just there for them and I, I highly you know just basically relaying that into what you said in that you know if someone needs to have a you know a home workout to you know follow along to 
YouTube and Google have 47 billion of them at the moment. Like you don't need, you know, there's only so many exercises that you can kind of cycle through uh, in a certain way, but um, you know, helping people with, you know, someone who's got three kids and they're a single mother and they work three jobs. How do you tell that person who, you know, probably has very little energy as is because they're running around just, you know, getting through life as it is. They don't need another bloody workout. They need to know how to get some help with, you know, eating well at home, getting some energy back in their life, you know, managing sleep, managing stress and so things like that. And so it's kind of where, yeah, my my thought process and my head is at these days and just trying to live my life as, you know, positively as I can um, and share those ups and downs that go with having motivation, not having motivation, wanting to eat, you know, well and eat good for my daughters and be a good role model for them, but also fuel my performance, but also realize that, some days I just want to eat a six pack of donuts and I'm going to do it and I'm not going to feel bad about it because, hey, shit happens and that's what it is and I'll get back to it tomorrow. 100%. And also a bit of food freedom in there as well because, you know, you can eat what you want when you want. And if anyone calls you fat, just eat them too. That's all good. <laughs> very, very good point. And it kind of, I guess, you know, I guess round out uh, these this chat we've had in that, you know, I'm I'm really keen to um, my future. I've got this want to start a donut company. Um and I've, I've always loved, and again, my audience will know they, that I love donuts and I've done plenty of reviews um, on them, but I'm, I'm tired of seeing people feel, and what we've shared many times in this podcast today, people feel that, well, I can't have that. You know, you're just lucky because you've got good genetics or whatever it is. You know, I can't eat donuts. I want, I want people to feel that freedom around food. And, um, you know, this is a little bit of a scoop as well. So I've had two, uh, two scoops here that, you know, my, my dream, it's not something that's very near. It's something in the future um, that, you know, I want to start a company. I don't know if I'm ever going to be allowed to call it this, but I want to call it zero fucks given donuts in that I, I just want people to enjoy their donuts. These donuts will be, you know, full of sugar, full of butter, full of fat and all those good things. And I want you to feel guilt-free with uh, eating that. And so my page will hopefully help people feel that guilt-free to be able to enjoy those kind of things in life and not feel bad about them. Well, I think there's a, um, isn't there a gym, a gym clothing brand called Zero Fucks Given or something? It's, Is it? It's, I think it's something like that. Um, but I think they, I think they just write it out by just having FCKS instead of actual fucks. Okay. Um, yep. So you, you could be, you could be on there. I, I, I quite like that. And just call them guilt-free donuts because that's how they, that's how every food should be. It should be called guilt-free. You don't need to have no sugar, no like fat-free, carb-free ice soup to be guilt-free. <laughs> like all food should be guilt-free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I guess with the post delays, is that, I mean, do you have a, a, a more kind of sound date of when that's going to be, or are you just kind of waiting to see at the moment? I just have to write it out with Australia Post. That's all I can do, mate. It's a bit upsetting, to be honest, because I really hope to have it running up and running uh, with actually within the next week. Um, so I really wanted to have it running by next Thursday because uh, that's my birthday. So I wanted go. to be, yeah. So I wanted to be able to, you know, drop it just in time for my birthday as a little gift to myself. Um, but yeah, with, with the delays with Oz Post, as long as they're going on, I, I can't really do too much with it. And it's kind of all in their hands as to, when they can fix that for sure um, at the moment it's kind of looking until like after our melbourne lockdown is lifted which could be it could be november it could be january they i, I have no idea yeah <laughs> um, and it's very painful to play the waiting game absolutely absolutely well i as i said i wish you nothing but the success um on that and i'll certainly be giving my uh two cents on it and um you know i really appreciate you coming on and 
I guess sharing you know your story from where you've come from and I really hope that and I know it will but I really hope that um, your story can um, be a light for people that understand that you know there's there's ways through this and that you don't have to feel guilty around the food you eat and you can enjoy the food you have and understanding that you know counting and understanding calories um, can be a positive experience to it all and so I really appreciate you sharing that and um, coming on the show today. No thank you so much for having me on mate thank you so much. Awesome. Um, I always have my uh, guests uh, answer my quick fire five. And so if you don't mind indulging me with uh, your quick response answers to my uh, questions here, there's something, there's certainly nothing life changing in these questions. They're simple uh, questions to do. Is that all right to uh, go for it? Crack on, mate. Let's do it. Awesome. Um, Beach or snow? Snow. Uh, If you could go uh, travel, if you could travel in time, sorry, would you go to the future or the past? Past. Can I just then expand on that and say, where in the past would you go? What would you like to see? Swinging 60s. Swinging 60s. See, I'm all about, I reckon that the 20s that we're in now, once this COVID stuff gets behind us and we kind of can move on for it, I reckon we're going into the roaring 20s again. And I love the 20s, like that style. And I was about um, to say, as long as the dress code's the same, we're all good. A hundred percent. I think it'd be fantastic. Um, if you could have one food for the rest of your life and you don't have to worry about the nutritional value or the calories or anything like that, what's the one food you'd eat? Banoffee pie. Oh, mate talking to the <laughs> preaching to the choir here love it um family friend famous dead or alive who would you like to have for dinner tonight sheesh um oh i don't know pass come, come back to me i'll come back yep um number five uh i want you to get really selfish on this everyone always says that they'd spend it with their family and rightfully so but you've done that you've now got 24 hours left on the planet you can do anything and be anywhere in the world. What would you, where would you go and what would you do for that last 24 hours? I'd fly to London and live my best fat life again. Is there a pub or is there a place that uh, you'd go straight to? Uh, Ye Old Cheshire Cheese, which is on uh, Flint Street in London. It is, uh, is a pub that got slightly burnt in the 16, 1666 fires and then they rebuilt it in 1667 and it's been the same since. Oh, fantastic. It looks absolutely stunning. Love it. And have you got a quick answer to uh, who you'd have for dinner tonight? My dad. Good answer. I love it. I haven't, I haven't seen him uh, for a little bit, obviously, due to lockdowns. And he's probably one of the people that I'm closest to as far as family is concerned. So definitely my dad or, or my granddad. I haven't seen him since 2011. So he'd be nice one to have around as well. Absolutely, mate. Well, um, yeah, I really appreciate your honesty. I really appreciate your uh, storytelling. I really appreciate uh, everything you shared today, mate. And I wish you nothing but the set. Best success moving forward. And um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, as um, I'm sure that uh, you'd be fine with uh, answering any questions as you said you have, I'll put all your show, uh, all of your details in the show notes below, both the you and the Brownie company coming up, mate. And um, hope it launches uh, sooner rather than later. And it's a, a big success. And uh, we can maybe have another chat in a couple of years' time as your uh, Fortune 500 Brownie company. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks so much, mate. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. Love talking to you. No worries, Zach. Um, Guys, that's another episode of the Let's Talk Fast podcast. Really hope you've enjoyed it. You know we'll be back next week, and I love you all. I'll talk to you then. Bye.